0: An elderly woman woke up in the middle of the night because she heard strange noises. She went from the upstairs to the downstairs, and when she got to the downstairs, she realized there was a burglar in her home. So this godly widow showed showed it out at the top of her lungs. She quoted this Bible verse. She said, stop in the name of the Lord, repent for your forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2.38. The burglar immediately froze, he put up his hands in the air and stood motionless while the the widow called the police, and when the police arrived, they arrested the young man, and, and they began to question him, and they asked him this question. They said, why would you be intimidated by a little old lady quoting a Bible verse at you? The burglar replied, what do you mean a Bible verse? The little old lady was armed and dangerous. She said she had an axe and 238 pistols. <laughs> well, obviously, that young man had never read the Bible And I would encourage you not to use that tactic if someone breaks into your home tonight. It worked fine for the little old lady. I'm not sure it would work fine for you. I want to welcome you to commandment number eight. It's only four words in length. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You must not, say it with me, church. You must not steal. We often complicate commandment number eight. You must not steal. President Roosevelt made this Um, observation about the eighth commandment when he said the eighth commandment reads thou shall not steal it does not read thou shall not steal from the rich man it goes on to say it does not read thou shall not steal from the poor man it reads simply and plainly say it with me church thou "Thou shalt not steal god purposely expressed to moses that stealing was unacceptable on no certain terms was stealing acceptable and that the practice of stealing had deep spiritual consequences. A little bit more on that in just a few moments. I want us to look at this question this morning. Maybe you've never thought of this, but what is stealing? What exactly is stealing? Well, that's a good question. It deserves a, an answer. Here's a simplistic answer this morning. Stealing is to take something that does not belong to you without what? without permission. Uh, Stealing is taking something that does not belong to you without permission. Now, that may be in the form of an object, that may be in the form of some money, that may be um, in the the sense of online, that may be stealing someone's innocence is, is stealing as well. It's taking something that does not belong to you without permission. In other words, We assume ownership, or we take ownership, of something that was not ours to take without a mutually uh, approved agreement, whether that's written or verbal or just implied. We take it without any agreement to make it ours. When I look at the 10 commandments and commandment number eight, we must not steal, this question comes to my mind, maybe not to yours, but it does to mine, is stealing a big enough problem to warrant inclusion in the Ten Commandments. Why would God list no stealing as the Eighth Commandment? I guess is what I'm trying to ask this morning. Surely there are bigger issues with humanity that could bump the stealing part out of the Ten Commandments and you could insert something else into the Ten Commandments. Like, Why would God think that this is a major problem? It's not like the Israelites at this point in their history could steal something, from their neighbor, run off and use it or hide it. They're in the middle of the desert, living in tents. And everybody knew everybody's business. Kind of like Kenful, everybody knew everybody's (laughs) business, right? Was stealing really that big of an issue in the Israelite camp that God would say, commandment number eight is going to be this, Moses, you must not steal. Why did God feel that it was so important to list stealing in the ten rules of living? That's a good question, I think. Well, the answer, perhaps, is not as easy. I think, first of all, God knew this, that God knew that stealing would erode the moral fabric of any society. I think he knew that. Stealing is perhaps a bigger problem than what we want to admit as a society and people. I believe God knew something that we did not know. Surprise, surprise. God knew something that we did not know. God knew that if humanity was given enough rope, we would eventually tie ourselves up with stealing, or we would find loopholes excusing our behavior. If we were left unchecked when it comes to stealing, chaos and evil would reign supremely. And we have examples of this in the world today emo phillips a comedian and actor he said when i was a kid i used to pray every night for a bicycle then i realized that the lord doesn't work that way so i stole one and asked for him to forgive me (laughs) well i wouldn't necessarily go along with that but do you see what i'm saying that if humanity is given enough rope on this issue we'll make a loophole we will put ourselves into chaos Sadly, we are notorious for taking a mile whenever we're given an inch. For those of you in the metric world, that is 1.6 kilometers for every 2.5 centimeters given. God knew that without divine guidance, we would erode the moral fabric of any society through stealing. We would push healthy boundaries into unhealthy territory, all in the name of selfishness and greed and desire by taking something that was not ours. Perhaps you're thinking, but pastor, it's different in the Christian Church. It's, it's different with church-going uh, folk. Stealing's not really a problem in the church or for Christians or for church-going folks. Well, several years ago George Barner revealed this that 90 percent of us, 90 percent of Christians openly declare they never break the Eighth commandment. That's a good statistic, is it not? I'm pretty proud of that. 90% of us say, I never break the Eighth Commandment. But this is what George Byrne had discovered that in his studies, that we say we never break the Eighth Commandment, but how we live, we break it all the time. So we may say it, but we do not live it. Christians tend to operate in what is known as the gray zone, an area between good moral behavior and hardened criminal activity. So there's no real rules or regulations in this gray zone, but we make it up as we go along. We make excuses as we go along, and we live in this gray zone, which then eventually gets us to the criminal activity. That's where we kind of go sometimes as Christians. How many times have you heard a Christian say, I'm not stealing my neighbor's Wi-Fi? Their Wi-Fi is trespassing in my home, so I have every right to use it. (laughs) Or how many times have you heard, I work hard for my money. Why should I give it to the church? They'll only steal it anyways. I'm not stealing. It was there for the taking. I've heard that a lot. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the grocery store, and someone had bought a nice 12-pack of gum. And it was there on top of the grocery carts. And I thought, hmm, it's there for the taking. And then God said, Commandment number eight's coming up in your sermon series. <laughs> Do not touch. It's easy. No one's around, nobody's name's on it. I'll just take it, it's for the taking. But if it wasn't mine and I didn't purchase for it, then it isn't mine. And if I took it, then it's what, church? You got it. God knew that stealing would erode the moral fabric of society and stifle our spiritual life and spiritual growth. Whether you're a Christian or not, stealing is a sin against God in at least two ways. First of all, it's a sin against God this way. It's stealing is a failure to trust in God's provision and care. When we extract something that is not ours, that does not belong to us, we are in essence admitting that God is not able to give us what we want. So we go out and help ourselves because God didn't provide for us. Most of the time when we steal, it's because we are impatient with God or God's timing or God's response and we unwisely go out and quickly acquire something in the act of greed, which is an unrighteous way. When we keep the eighth commandment, when we keep the eighth commandment, we must not steal. We are admitting that our faith is in God's providence and provision, not in our hands and not in our mind and not in the ways that we could take it from somebody. It is in God, it is our faith is in God's ability to provide for me and for you amen there is another way we steal against god not only do we say, uh, sin against god by saying we can do a better job than what god can do but stealing is a failure to trust in god's provision or care for other people too if we steal what god has provided to someone else we are sinning against god against that person by robbing that person of God's blessing. If God has blessed someone with a brand new car and we come along and steal that car, we have just sinned against God and the other person and ourselves because we have just robbed that person of a blessing that God gave them because we needed it or we wanted it. There is no denying that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15, has a negative tone. Say it with me. It even sounds negative. You must not steal. Say it. You must not steal. But the commandment does have a positive tone that offsets the negative. When God becomes our provider, the provisions of God are a blessing from Him and should be used in our life for His glory and for His honor and for His purpose. Here's what happens in in the things of our life we think we're the owner's. And we are only, church, the managers. We are never the owners. We are only the managers. We see this in Exodus chapter 14. God was telling Israel to stand back. I want you to observe that I am the God who provides for you. You do not need to steal it. You do, need, do not need to manufacture it. I'm telling you, I will provide for you. And in Exodus chapter 14, that's exactly what happens. The Israelites back are against the Red Sea and, and coming at them as Pharaoh's armies, and they're going, what should we do? And here's what we see, God telling Moses, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Say this with me, church. Just stand still and watch. The Lord rescue you today. Just stand still. Mind your own business and watch what the Lord will do for you. He will do what? He'll rescue you. The God, Jehovah, Jerira, the provider, he will rescue you. He will provide everything that you need in life. And the Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. Then in verse 14 of Exodus 14, say this with me, church, the Lord himself will just chill. Just calm down. Just relax. Because who's going to fight for you? God is going to fight for you. Stand still and know that I am God. And I will provide for you. Amen. A short time later, the Israelites are circling around in the desert and the food situation is becoming a little scary. And so this is what God tells Moses. Exodus chapter 16, verse 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. That's the New Living Translation. Some other trans- Bible translations say grumbling, which I believe is a far greater sin than complaining. But anyways, it's the same thing. I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them, in the evening you will have meat to eat, and in the morning you will have all the bread you what? You want. He goes on to say this. Say it with me, church. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. You will know that I am the great I am. You will know that I am Jehovah. You will know that I am your provider. You will know that I am the one who will take care of you. You do not need to steal. You do not need to manufacture. You do not need to create anything. All you need to do is chill. Stand back. Watch me. I will fight for you, and I will provide for you. Amen? But when we steal, we rob God of his ability to provide for us by taking on the ability of our own hands to provide for ourselves when we arrive at exodus 20 god is once again reminding the israelites you must not steal you must trust me as your provider do not steal has such a profound echo because god is the giver of all things and god gives all things to us to remind us that he is our provider amen and when we steal we steal god's glory we steal god's provision we steal god's ways of providing for us and god doesn't get the glory in that and so we're robbing ourselves we're robbing god and we're robbing other people This leads us to an important, very important observation. The Eighth Commandment is not just about stealing. You thought it was. It's not just about stealing. It's also about stewardship. Our culture has a real struggle with God's fundamental ways. What was God's fundamental way way in this? First of all, it's this. Being a manager means being responsible. That's a core principle with God. If God has blessed you with something, he has made you responsible for that. God has blessed us. How has He blessed us? He has blessed us with things in this life. He's blessed us with life itself, amen? Are you thankful to be alive today? Are you thankful to be here this morning? God has blessed you to the ability to be here this morning. We should be thankful about that. We should be thankful about life, about family, about church, about our faith, about our bank account. We should be thankful about everything that God gives to us. It's a blessing. We do not own it. We only manage it, amen? The responsibility that we are given is given to us by God. God goes, I'm blessing you, use this responsibly. There's a perfect example for us in Matthew chapter 25, excuse me, in verses 14 to 30, this master calls three people into into his office and he says, I'm going away for a while, but I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with five talents, I'm going to bless you with two talents, and I'm going to bless you with one talent. And when I come back, you're going to tell me how you did with those talents use them in a responsible manner and so the man with five talents goes out and in a responsible way he invests he works he he does what is a very responsible thing and he has not only five talents that he was given but he has five more talents the man with two talents does the very same thing he not only has two talents the principal but he gives two more he gets two more talents but the man who is given one talent He does something that is very irresponsible. The master has blessed him and he takes the talent and he, in an irresponsible way, buries it. He doesn't use it. He's afraid to use it. And he buries it. And there it remains buried until the master shows up. And when the master shows up, He calls the first guy in and goes, what did you do with the five talents that I gave you? He said, oh, it was so fun for the blessing. I used it in a responsible manner. Here's the five that you gave me, and here's five more talents. And what did the master say? You acted in a very responsible way. Well done does the same thing to the man who has two talents. He puts down two talents and two more talents, and he goes, man, the master goes, you've acted in a very responsible way. I'm blessings on you. Thank you for seeing the light in this. And then he calls in the guy who has one talent, and he goes, what did you do with the one talent that I gave to you? You see, it's not equal giving. It's not equal talents. But it is equal in how we use them. And he said, I knew you to be a very tough nut. And I didn't want to lose it. So I thought it was responsible to bury it and keep, keep safe, to keep it safe until you arrived here. And here it is. Here's the one talent. And what did the master say? You irresponsible person. I blessed you with a talent and you used it in an irresponsible way. Being a manager of the blessings that God has given to us whether you look at it as your faith or your church or your family or your car or your bank account, what, all, everything that you have in this life is a blessing from God, amen? And you are the manager, not the owner of it. And being a manager means you are responsible for the blessing that God has given to you, amen? So that at the end of our days, when we're standing before Jesus, we hear the words, well done, Good and faithful servant. For you acted in a responsible manner, not an irresponsible manner. There's another part of God's fundamental code on stewardship. It's this, and this is the one that we really have trouble with. Respecting a manager is a responsibility too. If God has blessed you with something, there is a level of responsibility associated with that blessing that God has given to you. But there is also a respect towards someone who has been blessed with the responsibility of being a, man- a manager. Let me explain it this way. Your next door neighbor drives in today with a brand new car in their yard and they go, you wouldn't believe the miracle. God gave me this blessing that's sitting in my yard. You know what the responsible thing to do for someone who has been blessed to be a manager of such a thing as a car? We are to what? Respect them. And how do we respect them? Not to be... Envious, which is the next commandment, coming next week, but also not to steal it for our own self. In other words, we respect another person who has been blessed by God to be a manager by not stealing from them, by not stealing from them. God knew that stealing would erode the moral fabric of any society which would result in poor stewardship of God's blessings and provisions. If you don't believe me, consider what happens if stealing takes place in a community or society or nation. This is what happens. There's a lot more things that happen, but this is the five main things I believe that happens. First of all, if you steal from me, I feel like you've disrespected me. I may not know the person who is stolen from me but I've a, I put I put a face on you you're a stealer and I'm and I feel disrespected and then what happens well then I feel suspicion is generated in my heart well There must be other people out there who's going to steal from me. And then trust is broken. I don't trust anyone. And then what happens after that? Well, protectionism. I begin to bury things and hide things in secret locations. I need to protect what I have so that nobody else will steal from me because all of society is out to steal my stuff. See where this goes? And then what happens with generosity? I'm not going to give anything. Everybody's out to steal my stuff anyways. I'm protecting what I have. This, my friends, is very unbiblical. And this, my friends, is not the way of Jesus, and this is not the way of the Ten Commandments, and this is not the way of commandment number eight. God said you must not steal, because when we steal, we begin to destroy the very fabric, the moral fabric of society. How do we do that? Can you imagine that, that everybody starts being disrespectful, suspicious, and trust is broken, and we enter into protectionism, and generosity is non-existent because all stemming from one thing called what? Stealing. They are damaging qualities for any community that go directly against the teachings of God and stem from one single act. Stealing. The best way that I can describe to you of disrespect, suspicion, trust, and protectionism and generosity that is broken or non-existent is with this story here. A man worked in a factory for many years and one day he's wheeling out a wheelbarrow and he has a cloth over it. He gets to the gate, and the guard says, what do you have under the cloth? He said, well, just some odds and ends and some stuff that was going to be thrown out of the factory. It's just trash. He said, let me have a look. So he peels back the cloth, and sure enough, there's a bunch of trash. He said, okay, I guess you're okay. Go on. And so he goes through the gate. Day two comes along, same scenario. Day three, day four, same scenario. Day five comes along, guy's wheeling a wheelbarrow. He's got a full of junk with a cloth over it. And the guard goes, let me see what's underneath the cloth. And same thing as day four, day three, day two, day one. It's just junk, things that we're going to be throwing out. I've collected them up. I'm taking them home. I'm going to use them and burn them up at home. So let me see underneath the cloth. He looks under the cloth the guard says, yeah, I guess you're ready to go. But I'm very suspicious of you. You're up to something, and I'm going to find out what you're up to. I know you're stealing something from the company. I just haven't figured it out. The guy couldn't contain himself. He said, I'm stealing wheelbarrows. (laughs) You see, stealing erodes the moral fabric of any society because God's provisions are taken for granted resulting in poor stewardship that robs God of all the glory and all the worship, all from stealing. There's another reason why God enlists no stealing as one of the Ten Commandments, because number two, God knew that honesty would always be the best policy. Say that with me. God knew that honesty would always be the best policy. I'm not going to share anything that's new. you You already know this. Stealing is not honesty. Did you know that? Stealing is not honesty. It is not honesty with yourself. It is not honesty with God. And it is not honesty with other people. In a speech on the value of honesty, Mark Twain said this. He told a personal story. He said, when I was a boy, I was walking along the street one day when I spied a cart full of watermelons. I love watermelons. So I sneaked quietly and snitched one from the cart and I ran down to a nearby alley and I began to sink my teeth into the melon. Oh, this is going to be good. No sooner had I done so, however, when a strange feeling came over me. Without a moment's hesitation, I made my decision. I walked back to the cart and replaced the melon and took one that was ripe this time. <laughs> oh, dear. dear. There is no mistaking, though, Mark Twain had eaten from the forbidden watermelon. It wasn't his. The second one wasn't his. But at least he was honest about his ways of stealing watermelons. Because honesty is what? Always the best policy. Statistic Brain has reported that 75% of employees have admitted to stealing from their employer at least once. What is that saying? That's saying there's a lack of honesty in the workplace. Amen? They also went on to say this, that 33% of all business bankruptcies in the USA are a direct result of employee theft. The amount equals $50 billion annually. We can stop and somebody can answer that if you want. 33% of all business bankruptcies in the USA are a result of employee theft. The amount equals $50 billion annually. There's never been a greater time for honesty than right now. There has never been a greater time or a greater need in all of, all of history for us to be honest than right now. We lack honesty, and when we lack honesty, it, begins, it happens by stealing, and it's happening at all levels of society, and it's jeopardizing and eroding away the foundational legs of our society, because that's what stealing does. C.S. Lewis made this powerful observation. He said, safety and happiness can only come from individuals, classes, and nations being, say it with me, church, honest and fair and kind to each other. He doesn't say anything about stealing. He's saying only safety and happiness can come to our society and to the culture and to the homes that we live in if we are being people that are honest and fair and kind to each other. Amen? Stealing is not being honest. Stealing is not being fair, and it is not being kind either. There is a great need for individuals to step up in today's world and be honest, fair, and kind. Amen? So that's my challenge for you today. Will you be an honest and kind and fair person? In closing, Jesus reminded us of the importance of not stealing and being honest and kind and fair when he shared this. One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized what Jesus had answered well, or excuse me, he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Of the 10 commandments listed in Exodus chapter 20, and then after Exodus 20, all of the sub-commandments that were to guide the Ten Commandments, made by man, not the Ten Commandments made by God, but all the other commandments made by man to guide the Ten Commandments, which one is the most important? That's a loaded question. Then this is what Jesus said. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord, our God is the one and only Lord. Then, Then he went on to say this. Say it with me, church, and you must Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. Do you know what Jesus is referring to right here? The first four commandments of the Old, of the Old, of the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20. The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments right there about honoring, worshiping, respecting, loving God. Then he goes on to say this. The second is equally important. Say it with me, church, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. That's commandment one, two, three, and four. Then we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. What is that? That's commandments five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Jesus was declaring stealing hurts God. It hurts you, and it hurts what? Other people. And by stealing, you are not observing the Ten Commandments and you are not loving your neighbor because if you love your neighbor, you don't steal from your neighbor. And if we had the time to dig down, we know that neighbor doesn't just mean your next-door neighbor either. It, in essence, means everybody on planet Earth is your neighbor. There was a thief named Emmanuel Nedger, known as Jim the Penman, the year's 1887, so keep that in the back of your mind as I tell this story. 1887. The scene was a small grocery store in the town that he lived in, and Nedger was in buying turnip greens for his supper that night, and he used a $20 bill. $20 bill, 1887. The clerk took the $20 bill. They had both been handing the wet turnip greens, moisture on their fingers, And she noticed that the $20 bill was starting to smudge. And Emmanuel Nedger had been an outstanding citizen of their town for many, many years. He could not be passing counterfeit dollars. This just must be a misunderstanding. So she puts the $20 in the till, and she makes change and gives him his change, and off he goes with his turnip tops and the change from his counterfeit $20 bill. The police investigate a little bit later because the clerk has... Second-guessed herself. And sure enough, on their investigation, they realized that Mr. Nedger had been handing out counterfeit $20 bills around town. 1887, that's a lot of money. They get a warrant and they search his property. And up in the attic of his home, they find the place where he has been hand-painting $20 bills hand-painting $20 bills that look real. He has been passing them around town for years. Do you know what they also found up in his attic? They discovered that he was a master artist. And there were three paintings in his attic that the authorities seized, and they sold in an auction to reimburse everybody who had been taken advantage of from the counterfeit $20 bills. 1887, they sold for $16,000. Over $5,000 a piece for those paintings. You know what else they discovered? It took Nedger just as long to paint a $20 bill as it did a painting. It took him just as long to paint a $20 bill as it did a painting. It is true that he was a thief. But the main person he stole from was himself. And that's why God said, you must not steal. Yes, it's going to hurt me, and yes, it's going to hurt your neighbor, but it's going to hurt you even more. You must not steal. Because stealing robs from God, and stealing robs from society, and stealing robs from others, and stealing robs from you you imagine a master painter who could have been passing around paintings that were six thousand dollars, choosing to paint twenty dollar bills some of us in this room and watching online this morning we've stolen we've stolen something from someone that wasn't ours that we took that we did not have a mutually a mutual agreement over, whether that's verbally written or intended. And we've just taken. Taken because we wanted to. You see, sometimes we steal because we need to. We, we need to put food on the table or whatever. We also steal just for the fun of it. We also steal because of greed. Somebody else has something that I want and I'm going to take it and it's going to be mine and they're going to not have it and I'm going to have it. There's all kinds of motives for stealing. God said, whatever your motive, here's the deal with commandment number eight. What is it? You must not steal. The good news is God is ready to forgive you this morning. Amen. His grace reaches further and deeper It reaches down into the depths of our heart and soul where we buried things where we have done things and forgotten about those things until this moment god wants you to repent of those things he wants you to ask for forgiveness of those things and he will forgive you and then he will then nudge you to go make the wrong right can you imagine if everybody who stole from someone tried to make the wrong right this world would be a different place, wouldn't it? you imagine if we just didn't steal in the first place? This world would be such a better place. I want to pray for you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? If you feel that like God is tugging you by his Holy Spirit, he's touching you, he's poking you, that you need to for- ask for forgiveness on something on this issue, now's moment. Take a moment and just ask for the Lord to forgive you. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And now I have a better understanding of why you've included number eight, commandment number eight. Thou shall not steal or you must not steal. It's more than just stealing. It's how it affects not only us, but others and you. Lord, I pray that we would have enough faith and enough trust in our life that we would trust you as our provider that we would stand back as you instructed Moses and the Israelites to stand back and watch. For your Lord and your God will fight for you and he will provide for you. Lord, if we have taken something from someone that wasn't ours, whether that is a physical object or something online or stealing of innocence or whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would forgive us for that act, that you would restore us, and that you would give us the courage to make any wrong right, that we would pay back. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, went back and paid back multiple times over what he stole from people. That's grace at work in us. That's your forgiveness at work in us. And I pray that that would flow in and through us, that we would first and foremost uphold your commandment to not steal, but to also help others to see your grace and your love, that there is no need to steal because you are the one who provides for us and we commit our life and our cares to you, trusting you and the powerful, redeeming name of Jesus. We pray these things. Amen.